What is up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, Ontario. Hello to our listeners on CFRC.ca, as well as those who's, who have downloaded the podcast. Uh, you're listening to Today in Tech, a Canadian talk show that explores the latest trends in technology by, interf- by interviewing industry experts, local organizations, and passionate enthusiasts. We've got a great group of guys with us today representing Cubic, Queen's Blockchain Innovation Committee. Hey guys, uh, can you introduce yourselves and maybe tell us a little bit about your role at Cubic? Hi, uh, I'm Marcel Kraus de Camargo. I'm the founder and chair of Cubic. Uh, I'm studying economics and my initial interest in blockchain was academic. Um, I manage the creation and staffing of our subcommittees as well as the organizational structure of Cubic. And Andrew McCall and I are responsible for the day-to-day operations. Hey, I'm Andrew McCall, a commerce student here at Queen's. Uh, So I'm also the alternate chair of Cubic, uh, chair of the new Cubic Capital Committee of Cubic. Um, So like Marcel said, me and him are responsible for some of the day-to-day operations uh, I'm also responsible for pulling in a lot of the latest uh, like investment research and uh, financial thought in the space to our group. All right. Hi, everyone. My name is Lucas Manuel. I'm a fourth-year engineering student at Queen's. Uh, I'm the chair of blockchain adoption at Cubic. So my job is basically to encourage people to take that first step into researching cryptocurrency and blockchain in general. So I, uh, I run workshops based on that. Hi, uh, my name is Liam Beckman. Um, I'm a new member to the Cubic team, but um, I'm also an engineering student and um, I'm involved in the adoption as similar to Lucas. Um, I'm also somewhat part of uh, the research and development as well. Okay, perfect. Thanks for introducing yourselves. And maybe just for the listeners, are you able to tell me a bit about uh, Cubic itself? Uh, Sure. I mean, uh, Cubic is a one-stop shop Uh, think tank for all things blockchain. Um, We are very proud to be highly interdisciplinary. This is due to the very broad nature of blockchain. Uh, I think if you want to study something so new and disruptive, it's important not to limit yourself in your scope. Uh, We have several subcommittees. So the development subcommittee is going to be putting on coding workshops in February, and we'll be announcing those events on our Facebook. And uh, Lucas? Yeah, I run uh, the blockchain adoption workshops, uh, which is, again, just basically getting people to take the first step on educating themselves about blockchain and how to get involved. Okay, Uh, and I run Cubic Capital, which is our newest committee. Uh, So Cubic Capital will be a think tank for investment knowledge, uh, trading, workshops. Uh, We'll be putting out a lot of content to cover this space. So, you know, blockchain... Uh, and cryptocurrencies are a very interesting new asset class. A lot of people want to know how to get involved in this and how to minimize their risk. Uh, and that's exactly what we've created Cubic Capital to do. Cool. And all of this is backed by our research subcommittee. And they've been working on a blockchain primer, which will be uploaded this weekend. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, 
let's hop into the next question. What made you guys, you guys obviously sound like you, you know quite a bit about blockchain. So um, what made you decide to create Cubic? So Cubic was created to fill a gap we saw in the current curriculum. Uh, I don't believe we have the luxury of time to wait for these concepts to be discussed in the regular class environment. Uh, there's a lot of potential talent on campus and we want to help people connect with the global blockchain community. Leading up to actually founding Cubic, uh, Sasha Lansky, who couldn't be here today, but remains very close to us as a consultant and a strategist, was writing his thesis on blockchain and multi-agent systems. He stressed the urgency of creating a campus presence and uh, so Cubic and Kingston Blockchainers were founded when we got together to present an introduction to blockchain at the JDUC. And then when ratification time actually came around, uh, we found uh, Lucas Manuel and then also Andrew Stroz were developing their own clubs to um, tackle blockchain issues. And we j decided to join forces and uh, very quickly became uh, um, you know, fully staffed and uh, ready to go. That's awesome. Yeah. Just for the listeners who are listening. Um that's actually pretty innovative here at Queens because we Queens doesn't offer any blockchain courses to take in school, so any actual academic courses. Um, blockchain has come on so fast and so strong that it's kind of taken a while for the, the academic side of things to stir up. So it's pretty cool that initiatives like Cubic have kind of stepped up and are willing to either to teach themselves and also give back to the community and, and teach Queens. Yeah, we'd like to change that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question. So what are some examples of events and workshops that you guys have already had? So, uh, again, we collaborated with Sasha and Kingston Blockchainers for the meetup series. So that's uh, kind of a, um, we get up on stage and we will start talking about a topic and engage the audience in that. Answer any questions, uh, explain any concepts that might um, might be confusing. Um, then we brought in Jack Lou from OKCoin to give a keynote. Uh, I mean, OKCoin is a very, uh, very successful company in the blockchain space. And that event really uh, reaffirmed our confidence in the interest on campus. Uh, the people were sitting on the floor and watching from the hallway because <laughs> it was packed. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Andrew uh, worked really hard to, to get that going. I mean, if you want to say yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, so the event, I think, was a really strong confirmation of how much interest there was for blockchain and uh, cryptocurrency-related topics on campus. Wow. Uh, because even leading up to that, you know, we were possibly concerned about filling up the room for 80 people. It turns out we had about maybe 140, 150 wow. people come out, as wow. Marcel mentioned, for that. That's incredible. Uh, it was amazing that we got to bring out such a heavy hitter from the industry. So OKCoin is actually the largest cryptocurrency exchange in China. Yeah. Uh, one of the largest players in the space. And Jack Liu himself is an alum from Queens. Wow. Uh, he's a pretty leading thought leader in the space uh, from business to societal-wide implications. So we had a chance for people to really come out, uh, pick his brains on that, and uh, you know, looking forward to a continued relationship in that sense. That's crazy. What do, Are you familiar with what year Jack had graduated from Queens? Yeah, I believe he was commerce class of 2010. From 2010. Okay. Or thereabouts. Okay. That's that's incredible, yeah. It, it yeah, it's honestly it's it's incredible how much interest is there with within the blockchain community. I mean, like you said, going from you expected maybe eighty people, you wouldn't even know if you would fill that up to hundred and forty. Um 
I mean, that's just incredible. Mm -hmm. So moving forward then, what are some examples of events and workshops you're planning in the future? Um, okay. So, I mean, yeah, with Keep It Capital, we mm -hmm. have some more stuff. But then uh, one more event that we we uh, had before that was the uh, adoption workshop with uh, Lucas. Well, yeah, uh, I was just going to mention that I, uh, I hosted a training workshop teaching people how to... Um, convert their Canadian dollars into cryptocurrency um, and then exchange those cryptocurrencies on international cryptocurrency exchanges such as OKCoin uh, and just teaching them also once they've done that to uh, send it to their own wallets and how to keep those wallets safe from anyone trying to hack them. Mm -hmm. We're also looking to contact other companies, uh, big name big name players in the industry and have them to Queens to talk would be great. Um, great look for us. Yeah, and I think it's really good that you're, you're sharing that knowledge to people that are young and getting into it because I feel as though there there is that kind of wide array of um, emotions when you, people talk about blockchains and cryptocurrencies, especially coming from uh, the older generation where they think, you know, cryptocurrencies are only used for buying stuff on the black market and um, and you know, people who want to use cryptocurrencies are people who want to remain anonymous for a specific reason online. So it's good that you're able to kind of show people that it's not, it, that's not the way that, you know, that it has to be. Um, but moving forward, uh, the financial aspect of blockchain technology has been a hot topic in, in 2017, um, like you guys have seen. Many people are eager to join the cryptocurrency movement, yet they're still hesitant about making that first move. So what advice can you give to individuals who would like to invest in cryptocurrencies? Um, so the Cubic Capital subcommittee is going to be looking at mm -hmm. that uh, more in-depth, and that's... Uh, when, yeah. when are you doing the meeting? Andrew? Yeah, so we'll be having our first workshop on January 26th. So on Queen's campus, that'll be 5.30 to 7 in Goods Hall, room 308. Uh, so we hope to turn that into some kind of like bi-weekly workshop series. Um, but, you know, really going into this more in depth than just how to put your money into and how to buy this stuff. Uh, we'd love to explore some of the actual aspects of investment, like what technical signals to look for, uh, what kind of trends in the markets or what are some of the underlying things to look at in cryptocurrencies? Um, so the original back to the original question, uh, I think one of the first key things to know about understanding cryptocurrencies and investing in them is that this is an entirely new market. Uh, it's been around for a few years, but we're still seeing these things change very fast. So the rules are still largely being written. Uh, and because of that, it's important to prepare and expect a volatile market. So you shouldn't invest anything more than you're willing to lose. And be ready, uh, before when you invest something, be ready for it to go down in value, possibly before it goes up, uh, right? So another thing is to do your due diligence on any particular currency or exchange before you do your investments, because uh, we've seen some cases with exchanges where it's hard to do deposits, withdrawals. Uh, some of them are very trustworthy, but there's been a few bad apples in the space, so it's important to know where you're putting your money. Uh, and then... Same with the teams and the actual cryptocurrencies. It's important to understand them too. Their roadmap, their teams, uh, what their real value proposition is, and if there's a big market that it can address. Um, you also want to look into, as I mentioned, those coins that are providing a real solution. I think one important metric to look at is how much it's actually being used. Uh, so for some of the big cryptocurrencies, 
uh, some of the ones that actually have the most usage are ones that a lot of people maybe haven't heard about. So, for example, BitShares is one that has more transactions than even Bitcoin, but it's uh, much smaller. So, you know, it's about looking at some of these maybe unorthodox uh, fundamental indicators, uh, but that's what we'll be covering with Cubic Capital. Um, to add to that, you also you also want to kind of stay involved um, with on, in the online community too as well. So, for example, Reddit and Slack are great forums where people are discussing new topics, um, and you can learn a lot from you know what people are saying um, and what people are predicting in the future. So, stay active online. Social media is great. Uh, right. Too. So it does sound like there's a, a fantastic online community, and it's basically just do your research. You know. Yeah. Do and your that, due diligence. That being said, with online communities, uh, always take everything being said with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, investment advice is uh, yeah, no one's is tricky. People tend to benefit sometimes if uh, you make a bad decision. So uh, just be aware of the space in which you are getting your information. Right, absolutely. So the next question here is uh, the developmental aspect of blockchain technology always seems to be second behind the money. But I think it's universally agreed on that blockchain developers will be a hot commodity uh, and of short supply in the next couple of years. So what advice would you give to individuals that want to start development? Uh, Yeah, first of all, I totally agree with that statement. Uh, Blockchain developers are going to be in short supply and high demand. Uh, So if you want to get involved, if you uh, already are involved with um, computer science or computer engineering, uh, if you uh, would like to learn more about blockchain, uh, I think a good place to start is just, again, online, uh, following Reddit. Uh, you should learn uh, Ethereum's programming language for smart contracts. It's called Solidity, uh, as well as JavaScript. Uh, between those two, you should be able to make a, a significant progress developing on blockchain. Uh, also, we're uh, hosting workshops ourselves as a club. Uh, Andrew Stroh our our chair of blockchain development. He's going to be hosting some of those workshops in the future. So keep follow our Facebook and uh, just look out for those. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, moving on to the next question here. Many parallels can be drawn between the blockchain boom and the dot-com boom. So reflecting on those times, it was evident that the company with the best developers and the best tech came out on top, even if the products were relatively similar. So what I mean by this is you can think of search, search engines, so such as um, Yahoo or MSN, Ask Jeeves, for those of you old enough to remember, um, and Google. But it was kind of obvious which one out of those four came out on top. Another example, online bookstores. Indigo and Barnes & Noble used to have an online bookstore as well. But Amazon came in, and Amazon, they had the same tech, but it's whoever had the better developers came out on top. Um, and finally, the last example is with Facebook and MySpace. It was clear that the products were relatively the same, but it was just the tech behind it was dominant. So that being said, is it too early to spot these companies um, when it comes to blockchains? Or what are your thoughts on this? Um, generally speaking, the idea that the future has to be achieved rather than predicted seems to apply here. Um, for the most part, we're still figuring out use cases. So in, to put this into perspective with uh, the internet and the dot coms, we're at the point where we're doing email, right? We have found one use case, um, a couple more, but uh, we're still developing protocols. Ethereum itself is, 
is a, a network that's that's being built and more than half of new blockchain applications are being developed on that. So the uh, in terms of figuring out the successes, I think we'll have to we'll have to wait until the uh, general protocols have been established and we get into a more cumulative development of applications. And uh, then I think we'll have a better idea. Okay, that makes sense, yeah. Um, moving on to the next question here. What are your thoughts on the Canadian blockchain community? How does it compare to the US, uh, to Europe, to Asia? Could this be an area where Canada emerges as a dominant tech force? Why or why not? Uh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, Canada is a great place for block to be for blockchain. Uh, Ethereum uh, was started by Vitalik Buterin here in Ontario. And I guess from a research perspective, we also have Don Tapscott and the Blockchain Research Institute in Toronto, which is one of the most ambitious research collectives in the field. In terms of uh, regulation, we still have a lot of work to do, but um, I'm confident that we will eventually come to uh, a, a sensible agreement uh, in the long run. Right, absolutely. I actually had um, my last guest on the show was uh, Mairead Matthews. She's an undergraduate student at Ottawa U um, doing, uh, she's in public policy. And so she came in and she spoke about the public policy side of blockchain and how um, financial policy and, and uh, government, like government policy is going to have to step up to the plate here because the technology is, in, is increasing so rapidly that, uh, you know, the government now needs to step up to to help standardize processes you know absolutely and it comes down to uh protecting investors as well of course i mean uh, when we're doing icos there are a lot of uh, icos done in bad faith and if the government can do something to reduce that i think that's uh, that's a very good initiative but i think uh, keeping the distinction between um what is uh, security and what is a utility token uh, it, having that well-defined will help um, with development in the future and uh, as well as protecting investors. But uh, there's really no reason for uh, somebody to be an accredited investor to buy a token that within itself has absolutely no indication that it would um, gain in value speculative. Uh, so I think that's kind of this distinction is one that we need to work on and that uh, if the government takes a, an educated stance on it, we have, uh, uh, yeah, the, the blockchain community in Canada really could come out on top. Right, absolutely. And I just want to ask you one question, Marcel, because um, you had mentioned ICOs in there. Um, just for the listeners who don't know what an ICO is, can you give a, a brief rundown on what on what that is? Uh, an ICO is an initial coin offering. Um, so this is uh, analogous to the IPO, or the initial public offering that we would see in, in stock markets. Where, um, generally companies that uh, got v uh, VC funding and then now are going public with uh, with their stock. So in uh, yeah, you can do an ICO for a token or a coin um, fairly easily, and they are generally dependent on the, their white paper uh, is is the the big driver in people's interest in in those. Um, 
when we are talking about the malicious side of it, it is uh, it's generally um, overly ambitious projects that are understaffed and um, have no real intention of following through with their claims. Um, that being said, there are a lot of, uh, of genuinely uh, uh, genuinely good ICOs that have been kind of coming around in the yeah. last couple of years. I would say the ICO market right now is, <coughs> you know, it's pretty wide. There's a wide range of players, and there's not much regulation in that in particular. So, looking forward to to crack down on that would be good for the future. Right. Promising ones that will actually do what we want. Right. Absolutely. Um, we've got about 10 minutes left, so I'm going to move on to the next question here. Um, what are smart contracts? Lucas, I think you had said it uh, a bit earlier in the show. Um, so essentially, what are they and why are they useful? So the idea of a smart contract has actually been around since the mid-90s, uh, but blockchain and distributed protocols have made it uh, a lot more applicable and secure. So basically, a smart contract is a computer protocol that can digitally facilitate, verify, or enforce the performance of a contract. Uh, so basically, you can using a smart contract, you can execute uh, these conditions uh, with you can execute credible transactions without a third party present. Uh, these contracts are you know they're trackable and they're irreversible. So there there's a massive um, range of different applications that you can use them for. Uh, for example, if you're a musical artist um, right now and you want to list your music and get paid for it, you have to sign up with a record label and then list it on Apple Music or Spotify. But with a smart contract, you can actually lock up your song or your album in a smart contract and then depending on different conditions, so say a company wants to use them in a commercial, um, then they would send you a certain amount of money and you they would get the digital asset and you would get paid royalties like autonomously without any sort of middleman. So it's, it's uh, really beneficial for many people. And, you know, we're just just starting to see the applications in the real world. Right. I actually find that super interesting. My capstone project here at Queen's University, uh, for those listening, I'm in, I'm in third year right now. So next year will be uh, when I'll have to complete my capstone project. We're planning on building a decentralized application that focuses on uh, the voting aspect. So mm -hmm. kind of transitioning, helping transition political voting from physical ballots to digital and obviously one of the biggest blockades to that uh, as of late has been um, security mm -hmm. so by having these uh, smart contracts and by having you know uh, this decentralization where it's obviously in exponentially harder to hack um, I think there, there's a lot of viable solutions and also field. just, you know, just transparency too. Mm -hmm. Like uh, chari charities are starting to look at using smart contracts for their platforms. Right. And, you know, like charities in the past have started to, you know, become slightly <laughs> corrupt and take some of the donations for their own usage. But if it's all encoded in a smart contract, everyone who donates will know exactly where their money's going. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So it's, yeah, it's really awesome technology. Right on. Uh, and finally here, we've got about six minutes left. Uh, what industries do you think the blockchain could disrupt? Okay, that's a great question because it speaks to like the immediate usability of uh, blockchain technology, right? So it's 2017, we saw kind of the explosion of 
in people's interest in investing in blockchain, and I think 2018 will bring to use to the spotlight a lot more use cases. So I think the first one, uh, which is kind of intuitive, is the financial services industry and any kind of uh, finance uh, application. So blockchain is probably mostly well associated with cryptocurrency at this point, um, and cryptocurrencies are a very effective global market. Uh, for example, you can take you can buy something in Canada on an exchange here, you can send it to Hong Kong, sell it there. Uh, you can't do that with traditional securities like stocks, bonds. So that's, that's a really uh, interesting value proposition. And then what blockchain basically does is it can eliminate the entire financial services industry as it is right now um, by taking out a lot of the intermediaries, right? Like investment bankers uh, with ICOs, there's very little need or use for uh, investment banks. Um, for example, with accounting, you can record most transactions on the blockchain. It'll be immutable uh, and that'll be automatic. Uh, I think another interesting industry that it would impact, well, a few on this train of thought are supply chain management, uh, inventory, and healthcare. So this is for, uh, this takes advantage of the immutability and the decentralized nature of blockchain in that, uh, for example, people in a company with an extensive supply chain like Walmart could be able to know where everything is uh, beyond like a shred of doubt in their supply chain at any one point. Mm -hmm. So that just makes for managing it uh, much, much easier. Uh, an example, and also for the construction industry, for some other industries that have extensive use of contracts. Mm -hmm. uh, as Lucas mentioned, smart contracts will, I think, eliminate a lot of the loss of value that's taken out by, um, taken out by some of these third parties. And I think one of the most interesting mergers uh, with blockchain that will create a lot of value will be IoT, which is the Internet of Things. So uh, just for listeners, the Internet of Things is uh, essentially a concept where everyday objects like refrigerators, uh, like cars, will have sensors and uh, computerized systems embedded in them so they can make use of the data that they collect from their surroundings. Um, and in a way this is a really nice complement to blockchain because IoT is about making the real world more digital and blockchain is about making the digital world more real in a sense. So they complement each other very nicely uh, for example, smart contracts, where it used to be difficult to digitalize some real-world indicators, like temperature, like um, you know, strength, durability, and all that, that can be digitalized using sensors through the Internet of Things, and it can be sent directly to uh, a blockchain network and create value through like a smart contract or uh, some other application. So we're seeing a lot of interesting use cases emerge. Right. Another interesting area is um, that kind of stems off uh, blockchain technology and complements it really well is uh, the new dem the high demand for computational power, which of course relates um, to blockchain through the the miners' ability to confirm transactions right on the blockchain. Um, I know Lucas knows yeah, a lot more about this. There's a new emerging but, um, market. So uh, a lot of companies have been moving from traditional uh, hardware servers to cloud computing. Uh, but this has caused a bit of a monopoly in the space, like Google and AWS uh, all own these cloud services. But what blockchain can enable is that um, 
people can actually use other people's surrounding computational power. So, for example, if I want to go to bed and leave my idle laptop uh, just running someone else's code on my computer overnight, I can actually make money from that. So it's going to make uh, it's going to make definitely some waves in the industry. And there's also uh, you know storage through blockchain. Uh, people can use their leftover storage on their computer and kind of rent it. So it's kind of like an an Airbnb sort of industry for computational power and storage is starting to emerge in the blockchain space. Yeah, it's it's honestly it seems like there's so many opportunities for blockchain to to disrupt. I, I mean, a ton of industries. Um, that being said, though, uh, I do want to thank Cubic for coming in uh, and and having this interview with us today. Um, just before we sign off here, I wanted to uh, ask and remind the listeners again: What are some of the events that you have coming up? Um, right, we are going to be having an event for entrepreneurs and small business owners on the twenty seventh at uh, the Sanctuary at 6 o'clock. And um, uh, on the topic of uh, fog and cloud computing. Yeah, I'm actually going to be running weekly workshops um, on getting set up on cryptocurrency exchanges. I'm going to keep that one going. But I'm also going to examine different consensus algorithms that blockchain uses, blockchain applications outside of cryptocurrency, uh, as well as examining you know AI uh, fog computing, IoT, and blockchain, and how they can kind of uh, converge into this one big ecosystem of new emerging technologies and just the, the capabilities of these technologies. Well, that sounds fantastic. Um, if you are interested in Cubic and this emerging blockchain technology and would like to learn a lot more, you can like their Facebook page. Um, is there any other way for listeners to, to get involved? Uh, the website is currently under construction, but uh, it links to the Facebook page as well. Um, we are accepting applications uh, for research positions, and we will be accepting applications for the Cubic Capital Subcommittee. So awesome. um, please, yeah, get in touch. And uh, you can uh, also email me at marcel at cubic.tech. And... Uh, we will find something for you to do. Cool. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, I want to say thank you for tuning in to CFRC 101.9 FM here in Kingston, Ontario. Thank you to our listeners on CFRC.ca, as well as to those who have downloaded the podcast. Uh, This was Today in Tech. I'm Chris Malte, and I'll see you guys next week. Cheers. (laughs) 